0: Welcome to The Sexy Times, a podcast of self discovery consummated in sexual adventures and confessions. I'm your host, Melanie Chambers. Professor Trina Orchard is an anthropologist, author, and activist who researches sexuality, gender, and the politics of health among marginalized groups and within the context of her own life. She teaches at Western University in London, Ontario, just as I do. Trina also has been a featured guest on many podcasts, including one of my favorites, Doctor Wednesday Martin, who is a sexologist. I met Trina on a Zoom call during COVID I interviewed her for my memoir about female sexuality, and bells started going off all over the place. I was picking up what Trina was putting down, as the hosts of the Morbid podcast always say. Trina talked about how sensuality isn't well understood, and that it's often partitioned off to only the bedroom. We continued our talk about intimacy, relationship, ageism, you name it, we talked about it. Fast forward to two years and Trina has immersed herself in the digital dating world and Trina's got a book coming out. Woohoo! Yay Trina! Her book, Sticky, Sexy, Sad, Swipe Culture and the Darker Side of Dating Apps is coming out in April 2024 from the University of Toronto Press. Yay Trina! This is our conversation about her book and about digital dating. Enjoy! Okay. Hey, Trina, I'm so excited to have you here. And I'm just going to jump in and I'm going to ask you what is the book about? Tell us.
1: The book is about dating apps, my experiences as a woman using dating apps. But there's also sort of a layer of cultural analysis or making sense of the broader, like swipe culture that informs. How we understand dating apps how we use them and the implications that they're having in terms of sexuality different aspects of sexual wellness relationships um, with each other as well as relationships with technology and so that's sort of the overview of the main topics and the reason i wanted to write the book is because i was just completely brought to my knees by dating apps I had no idea what they were going to be like when I first started swiping in 2017. I was a tech Luddite, you know, in the book, I write about 45. I refer to myself as like Fred Flintstone in terms of technology, (laughs) because really literally, I mean, my phone is six years old. Like I just, I'm not interested in that stuff, but it was one of the only ways I could figure out safely and in a way that I was comfortable to meet new people after a year of celibacy and a bit longer, uh, after my last relationship, which was uh, very abusive. And so I took the plunge and from the moment I began swiping, I was just, I felt like Alice in Wonderland. And just felt like I had tumbled down this bizarre, bizarre hole and everything about it was new Everything about the way that the app worked was new and strange. And I felt I was I don't remember the last time I had the big a bigger learning curve. And as someone who's used to a lot of control and being sort of a master of my areas of expertise, this was unfamiliar but also kind of exciting and connected to my desire to meet new people and to have sex and start dating. Um so many things were fired up inside me. And I knew that I was the perfect person to document a lot of the aspects of swipe culture that I think people who have been using apps for much longer, have sort of taken for granted, you know, so I was noticing all of the stuff about the internal circuitry of these platforms and then sort of extending it and making sense of it as a woman, as well as a sexuality scholar. So I just, I felt like what I could deliver in terms of my unique perspective would be a really rich kind of, narrative about it that I hadn't yet seen and so I was like yeah this has to be a book and it was also a challenge to write about it not as an academic study but to stretch my muscles in terms of creative writing and I really wanted to embrace that challenge and so there were many motivations for me.
0: Right okay there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Alice in Wonderland can you explain that what was it just that it was a new technology plot like was technology so new that it just made you feel like you were in another world is that what you mean or by the experiences they were lost
1: and everything was inverted I didn't understand I didn't understand the signs that were like, I didn't understand the way that people were talking to me and then they would ghost you. And then it's like the rules that I had grown up with as a woman in terms of dating and successful. And I've been fairly successful in dating. It just, everything felt like it was like prehistoric, my knowledge that I brought to this new space. So I was completely lost uh, and everything just, felt different. It was strange to use a device to meet someone. It's strange to advertise myself. All of those things felt just completely twisted and weird, exciting in a way, but very difficult to understand. It really felt like an entirely new cultural environment.
0: Was part of that the stigma? Because I know at 45, uh, um, you know, it was still somewhat new. Was there that, like were you telling people that I'm dating online? I'm, you know, I'm, did you go from like plenty of fish
1: at all? Like, were you online? Well, I began sort of like desk, the desktop situation. I began sort of, it was like a slow, slow entry or slow launch. I, you know, it was like elite singles and then match, match match.com I think were my first two. And that just really did not produce anything of interest and a couple of really terrible dates. And then I'm like, okay, I have to do like an actual app, like on my phone. That is like, you know, it's GIS technique, you know, technology, all this kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I was totally embarrassed. I was completely embarrassed, even though dating apps had been around. I mean, by that time, Tinder had been around for at least five years. Bumble was relatively new, and that's the one that I started with. It's not the only one that I used, but it's the one that I started with. And there weren't many people on Bumble at the time in the city where I live, which is fairly small. And so I would routinely run out of men in like less than an hour. You know, so it was strange.
0: So this is an old school question too, because I had never gone on an internet date, whether it's been an app or online. Um, And I, I, part of it, I think I'm like, oh, if I can't have chemistry with someone face-to-face, like I put a lot of weight into that tingles right away. Can you explain that like online? So did you get chemistry from the discussions like how would you know talking with someone that you wanted to pursue it
1: well I wasn't looking to get married I wanted to get dating and I wanted to get having sexing and so (laughs) um you know it's very hard to tell though because it's like is any of this true Mm. and are the pictures really do they jive with how they communicate sometimes sometimes not you know um that's why i would sort of try and meet people you know people often talk about you have to meet within three days or else it's never going to go anywhere and you know the sooner the better because people with interest and there's always a fresh crop of people to choose from and you're always in competition and so are they right because you know who has one person that they're just talking to i think very few people um and so it was difficult. I mean, that's why I, you know, I basically, I was attracted, you know, I eat with my eyes. And I was very much choosing on physical attraction, which I don't think is a crime. Um, You know, and there are people who I met for dates that were not very good communicators, but they looked like what I wanted in the bed beside me. And so that's what I chose. So I wasn't like, you know, waiting and like having this big list of assessments and like, oh, will this person meet the things? You can never know unless you meet in person. You just you can't know anything. Right. And yet we build, we need that sensory, that sensory interaction. And we need to know that in order to read our gut, right? In terms of instincts and all that kind of thing. And that's only possible in person.
0: Right. How many of the online interactions would actually turn into physical meeting the person?
1: Well, a fraction, you know, uh, you have to go a small a lot. fraction. Yeah. And that was one of the things that I learned that I was so confused about the Alice in Wonderland thing. I was like, back in the day, like had a pretty good, like stone cold pickup, like situation. It was like, I was fairly successful. I did not have to work a fraction of yeah. the amount I have to work to, you know, actually get a physical body. And that's because of the inversion that is going on with respect to the sexual script. You know, back in the day, it's meeting person face to face. That's first base or whatever Those terrible male uh, baseball metaphors. But it's that's how those are the terms that we use coming of age. Right. Um, But now it's like matching and chatting. That's first base. And very few actually make it to the in-person person Mm-hmm. right and so the in-person especially for people who use these apps a lot it can be surrounded with a lot of trepidation and there are a lot of people who you use apps with and you might connect with and they have no interest in meeting anyone no matter what they say in the profile
0: they just want to
1: talk. talk or fuck around or just like you know play play the field just see who's there just you know Breadcrumb people, ghost people—you know—do all these kinds of behaviors that are so common on online or on dating apps.
0: Yeah, um, you—you've said so much there. I'm—I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm still in the Alice in Wonderland analogy. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Okay. Um, so we go back to let's see where where shall I pick up on um, this even. Again, as some, I am completely Fred Flintstone here. So um, I'm going to probably ask some of the most obvious questions, but um, with meeting them, um, were you then often surprised? Yes, this isn't what you portrayed yourself to be like. um, Were they putting up pictures that were like five years old of them? Like that these were younger, better looking versions online
1: Um, I find that a lot of men post so many different kinds of pictures of themselves. Um, Some of them have to do with different ages, different kinds of bodies, but I think women typically do that more. There's much more catfishing and much more exaggeration or completely swapping out photos with women in general. Um, I have been catfished before, but in general, I found like they look similar to what, you know, is uh is advertised as it were to use the shopping and sort of very commercialized language advertising. Um yeah, so I think that in general they look similar to what their profiles are, but that doesn't mean I'm gonna feel the way I had anticipated about them. Like even just the way someone talks can be a turn on or a turn off. Yeah. The way someone smells, what they're wearing. Huge.
0: Yeah. And and so, and you, we talked about this one before Um, the younger men. Can you explain that? Why you, you said most of the men that were uh, swiping you were younger men.
1: Um, Well, I think that one of the things I was fascinated and happy to discover is that a lot of young men were very interested in me men of all ages were swiping, right? I mean, a lot of men swipe right all the time because um, they have fewer options typically than women do on dating apps in general. And that's kind of well-established. Um, so they tend to swipe quite liberally on, on everybody. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised to learn how many young younger men, and I'm talking like, let's say I'm 45 and they were late 20s to 35-ish. And they specifically were quite interested in older women, and I would ask them why. Of course, because I'm curious. And for some of them, it was you know you could sort of tell it was a bit of a bucket bucket item list. You know, sleep with uh, sleep with cougar. You know, check. Um, but a lot of them, when this is something I've written about before in a few different spaces, yeah, a lot of them were very interested in older women for reasons that were very compelling as a sexuality scholar and someone who's interested in gender and changes in relationships and stuff over time and they said that older women typically had their stuff together their life together they had sort of figured out what they want in terms of the bedroom and being active and um enjoying sex openly feeling much more comfortable with their bodies willing to and interested in trying different kinds of things Also, a lot of young men are not really interested in families, getting married, doing the whole 2.5 dream, the romance narrative that a lot of us grew up on. I mean, that's just sort of fading away. That's just, not that that's not important and meaningful to a lot of people still, it is, but a lot of young men want to engage with a different kind of masculinity that is more about partnership and is a bit more egalitarian. And so in that way, what that was very exciting to learn, and you know, they're pushing back against the patriarchy as much as me in a way. Okay. But we don't hear about this too much. People still laugh and it's, oh, he's a giggelo, you're cradle robbing, okay, Mrs. Robinson, blah, 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 blah. There's still so, but yet when it's the more normative May-December situation where an older man and a younger woman, we don't even bat an eye because that has become normalized. Right?
0: Okay, okay. And what do the women want? Like when, when they're going in, like, so if the men are looking for the, the older woman, um, the younger man, yeah. The younger man. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the women seeking then online? Is it, are they still looking for the traditional marriage and,
1: there are a million different things that women are looking for and i didn't you know investigate and interview women right like this is narrative this is my memoir like my, my my experiences but i mean women want an array of things but what a lot of the men who i met and they would talk about quite common is you know very materialistic aims and expectations that women have you know, I won't talk to anyone unless they make six figures. I won't talk to anyone unless they're at least six feet. I won't talk to anyone unless they own their own house and have a nice car that's like less than five years old. Um, in my mind, those are quite troubling kind of parameters to, mm. to announce. Um, I've also heard that a lot of women are not great communicators and they expect men to do all of the dating labor, which is not cool. you know but again it's connected with sort of the normative patterns of dating and like who is a more active player especially at the beginning um yeah so I think women want a lot I think some of them definitely want to get married and some of them are like you know I want a husband long-term relationship I want to have kids like stat you know (laughs) so there's a whole range of things
0: wow yeah the the materialism is I find troubling um Mm -hmm. Were there other troubling things? I mean, the, that you think if this, if we continue down this road of relying on digital dating for intimacy, do you think there's gonna be major problems in intimacy because of it? Or do you, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there are, I mean, it's, it's their attentions, right? I think for many people it's opened up opportunities that they did not have before. For me, it's opened up opportunities for intimacy that I never knew existed. Mm -hmm. I don't go to the bar, you know, it's in your home or you're traveling, you're on the bus, you're at work and you can have a sense of where people are. And also you have like dating is mobile. You shift your neighborhood, there are a new pool of people. Mm -hmm. That's kind of cool, right? So in many ways it opens up opportunities and the people who I met, I would never ever have met them without the app because my social circle in this small freaking town is pretty limited yeah but so it has it definitely opens up opportunities but it also opens up lots of opportunities for violence it also really dulls our interpersonal skills to the point where it takes so much work just to meet someone in person like demanding it's very demanding it's exhausting and so the over-reliance on technology also is contributing to the way that a lot of our experiences at least when we're in the app in those early stages they are carbon copies of one another yeah have you that's what i talked about in chapter four and in my mind that is exceedingly problematic because while my relationships and my dating history you know in the previous you know era were diverse and a bit dangerous at times to be sure a bit dark they were always colorful and always mine and there is definitely a way that we are being domesticated and sort of made generic through the uptick of us using very similar platforms around the world
0: generic uh how
1: my experiences are almost identical to those of people who are half my age because we are using the same platform. Right. I am not the same woman as a 20 year old. My intimate life was never the same as any of my friends previously when it was all in person. Yeah, The fact that these phones are dictating the way that we behave with one another, how we communicate, you know, what, what we expect, the kinds of heartbreaks, the kinds of games that are played, um, you know, that to me is quite problematic.
0: Right. Yeah. You mentioned the ghosting thing and, and and I've heard that often uh, from friends that have used it. And I just I don't know. I sound like a grandmother. I sound like Fuddy Duddy going. No, you 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 finish off a conversation. Or if someone leaves me hanging on a messenger without uh, saying, oh, I got to run, I, I get hurt. And it's ridiculous, but um, hmm. like. So can you explain some of the ghosting? Like, were you hurt when these things started happening? And do you become desensitized after a while when people flake out?
1: Um, yes and yes. You know, the thing about digital dating is that you experience everything in such high volume. Mm. Go through so many people. You have so many conversations. And there were so many opportunities for all sorts of fuckery, pardon my French, including ghosting. And yes, it hurts when someone ghosts you. And there are people out there who said, don't take it personally. You know, it. you have no, no control over what someone else does. You only have control over how you respond. That's true. But when you get shit on by many people, mm-hmm. a handful of whom you might have really been interested in, and you're left with no information, no nothing, you're left with nothing. And that person is not only like a closed opportunity, but you kind of feel like crap about yourself, at least, you know, in, in the immediate sort of after aftermath. And so, yeah, I mean, but over time you certainly do develop a bit of a thick skin, but then is that what we want? Right. Right. Cause that in some ways just amps up that this is a game I'm just playing I'm just going to like, you know, just do basic, like just surface level, you know, how is that going to be interesting to anyone? Right. And is that how I want to do intimacy?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Surface level. No, I don't do anything else in my life like that. But sometimes you do kind of have to shut off some of your emotions and give just a little until you meet the person. And, then you know, not that you aren't ghosted by people you meet in person, sometimes they still disappear on you after the fact, But um, yeah, it's, it's really complicated.
0: Yeah. I I just feel like I'm too sensitive to go into that world because I, and, and there's all the energy that you put into it. So would you, Uh, yeah, it's exhausting. And I even remember dating was exhausting face to face because there's the play of it, you know, like, does he like me? Well, you just, and, and I was never one to get phone numbers. Uh, my best friends would always get phone numbers, but I never was the girl to get phone numbers at a bar. I just, you know, mm-hmm. so, um, and yeah, the, so then, you know, what are the other opportunities? Have you, are you still open or have you met people face to face that you've gone on dates with or is, have you? Oh,
1: many, oh, many, many, many. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's my goal. Right. And like, I'm going to achieve my goal, Melanie. <laughs> I, you know, I'm driven by yeah. many things. And so, yes, I have met in total over five or six years of swiping. Yeah. Probably met about 40 people. Okay. Like gone but out. I've talked with probably 3,000 or certainly been matched with three, three, four, five thousand. 3, 4, 5,000. So those are wow. not really... It's not very efficient, Wow. which is not necessarily just because of the design. It's also about the way that we use them. Mm -hmm. And we have not really talked about how to use dating apps in a way that is kind and interesting and inclusive and kind of safe and fun. And until recently, there have been very little ramifications for ghosting, for dick pics, for other kinds of violence. Right. There are swindlers who just move from one platform to another without any kind of penalties. Right. Right. And so, you know, but some of the platforms are definitely cracking down and they're they're streamlining their algorithms to have these enhanced features that are going to up in some instances, certain aspects of safety and um, penalize people who ghost. And they're going to be able to detect those things. So, you know, that might be helpful, but it's also, I'm wondering if it's too little, too late, because people are really tired of the mainstream dating apps. Uh-huh. And there are some more interesting options in terms of niche populations and different kinds of behaviors. However, those are only going to work for you if you have enough people using them. And in the city where I live, which is very small, it's really, it's, it's, this is Tinderland okay or Bumble, but i won't use bumble again because i don't really think it's feminist at all but you know i recently as of two days ago single so you never know i might be on bumble as well
0: so that's interesting because in you wrote a conversation uh piece in the conversation that it at one point it was while well, it is created by a woman but um why has it not become, or why isn't it a feminist uh, platform anymore? What What did you, you, you find? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was the aim of it. And again, someone coming in knowing nothing about these. Um, how how did yeah, it?
1: Marketed. It's marketed as feminist. Um, there are many different kinds of feminisms out there. You know, it's, uh, it's feminism light. I think it's feminism that is designed to attract young women of a certain age. You know, 35 and under is Bumble's key demographic. Yeah. Um, you know, the language around it, the marketing, it's sleek, it's modern. The CEO uh, and founder is a woman. Um, and the notion of finding ways to create more dating equity is attractive. Mm-hmm. However, when I use that app, you know, um, women have to do all of the opening lines, right? And I did, I sent out 113 original opening lines yep. in five months. And I met 10 men. Wow. That is a very, very poor success rate. Now, again, this is 2017, only four years after the app has been out. I'm in a small city. There are a few men. Yep. However, some of these men were matches that I made in Toronto. So, you know, this, uh, it's very ineffective. And this was also 2017. That's also when Me Too began. And so what I found is that very different than when I was using Tinder later on, I found that men would lash out at women in ways that were directly related to it being marketed as feminist. What I mean by that is that they would use what I think is valuable real estate on their profiles and, you know, write things like women don't know how to date women do such poor poor one-liners, you know, why doesn't anyone contact me? And there were just some more aggressive and very anti-women jokes that were made. I think it was directly related to what's going on around the world, but I never really experienced that kind of thing on Tinder. I mean, there's lots of like bullshit on Tinder and I, you know, got creeped out by men on Tinder for sure, but it didn't seem as specifically anti-feminist and the app itself generated much more labor for women, right? And some people have said, well, now you know how men feel. Okay, that's, that's a point. But I think it's actually irresponsible to market something as feminist when I think there was not enough consideration taken to how men are gonna respond. And the vitriol and the violence that I encountered was directly related to the fact that no one likes to be waited to be asked out. Right. And also another flaw in this particular platform is that women make the first move. Yeah. But a match only goes somewhere if and when a man responds Mm. and only 40 percent of the men responded to me. So it was I'm like, why? Why bother? And then of those, you know, have like only 10 percent yeah oh, so yeah. only 10 men out of like almost 2,200 matches I mm-hmm. met in person yeah. like this is not efficient this does not feel feminist no I don't think men are ready for this but yet they're on every platform just to maximize their dating potential success right and, you know fair Yeah. but you know I had never I didn't know the extent to which we were so far behind in terms of the gender wars, if you want to call them that. But um, I mean, feminism is a very contested term. And I really learned a lot about that by using that particular app in the time frame that I used it in.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned so very, like your overall experiences. Can you share an experience that you found particularly good? Um, that came out of it. Yeah. Well,
1: there were lots of them. I mean, I had a couple of long-term relationships from people I met on Tinder. Absolutely. I met people who I'm still in touch with. We haven't slept together for years, but you know, we still keep in touch. We're friends. Um, other people I've met, you know, we get together for lunch and like I met them in 2017, right. On Bumble actually, a few of the people I've met we we've kept in touch. I mean, I had some really fun encounters with all different kinds of people. And for me, also, interacting with younger men in particular, it was just so nice to ask them about their own experiences. And they seem to really appreciate Mm -hmm. someone who's older and smarter and, you know, experience actually giving a shit about like, hey, what do you think about these platforms? What are your experiences? What's it like to be a man? You know, i not like I was like an eh, interview, you know, a post postcoital <laughs> like interview. But, you know, it does create a sense of intimacy. And if you do it correctly and you are genuinely safe and, and curious and yeah. nice, people open up. And so that was such a valuable aspect of this whole experience, not mm-hmm. just for the book, but just for my own knowledge as a person in the world who's curious about how men live. Right. Because men are not the enemy. Patriarchy is.
0: Right. Yeah, it screws
1: them over almost as much as it screws us over, and that is something that's really important to talk with them about because we cannot find the evolution and and the equity and getting back the legal rights over our bodies without them. Do you? So we need to include more men in in these conversations. It's essential.
0: Oh, absolutely, I, I agree. Um, with the men that you met, your age, do you think that they were less willing? maybe to listen because they've been more entrenched in the patriarchy or that they're just, they're kind of, you know, set in their ways a bit
1: more? Um, I think that the way that they would articulate their experiences wouldn't be quite as evocative and interesting as I think the way some of the younger men talked about their experiences hmm. um I think the older guys would sort of you know I think they used them a bit less at least you know at the time they used them a bit less often than younger people um I just found that men my own age uh there was a bit more competition hmm. you know they were In some ways, perhaps more intimidated by me than the younger men who are just more genuinely interested by all these things that society tells us are. Are demerit points, like aging, like lived experience, um, like having multiple partners in one's life, like mental health challenges that you are actively working through. The younger guys were like dope, like, how do, you, how do you live? How do you establish this? How have you overcome challenges in your career? Like, tell me about your life so I can learn from it. Whereas the guys my age, they were less interested in that and wanted to do more of a performance of their achievement, which is not very sexy. Unless they're really sexy, which was not very common, so yeah.
0: I, I I agree with that. I I find that the guys that are my age and older, and this I think plays into their mental health, is that traditionally, um, they come across as oh I've got it all figured out, like mm-hmm. and that for, I talk a lot about this in my book that when I was with a partner for a long time who was my age. I often felt like that I had to defer to him for the answers or that he really liked being superior. Like that there was the fact that we were in a relationship. Well, it's just sort of unsaid, but it's there that I know more than you. And even if they don't know more than you, they'll fudge it so that they, Oh yeah. Yeah. I knew that. And, and that bravado and that chest thumping, drives me nuts because isn't it so sexy when a guy will say, I, I don't know, like, do you, can you tell me? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I write a little bit about that as well, that when I started dating, young, well, actually, no, they, I wasn't dating them. <laughs> I was just sleeping with them, but in other countries, younger men would always be, yeah. Oh, you've been here. Oh, wow. that That's great. Or in many cases, the men came at me with questions that were so like one Portuguese lover said, what are you building by all this travel? And I'm like, I don't know, but it was such an important question. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I couldn't believe that the guy that I had been with for 10 years wouldn't ask me, like he he dug at me with like um, criticisms, but he would never say something like that was like, that was so comforting and, and helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's just because these were shorter relationships where they had nothing to lose by, but. But
1: he's also showing a genuine interest. Yeah. Yeah. In the bigger picture. So what, what are you doing here? Yeah. Yeah. He's not trying to discipline or surveil you or, or critique you. He's curious. Like, what are you doing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's so encouraging to hear that there's, we're, we're all just, I remember reading a quote, we're all just trying to get out alive. Like, you know, your, your pile of shit is no bigger than my pile of shit. Everyone has the pile of shit and, you know, uh, to go into a relationship thinking that, yeah, I got it more figured out than you like, no, <laughs> like, and that's, that's encouraging to hear that that's, you know, the we're both trying to learn here. Um that's so nice to hear um I feel like at some point I would love to just go on to say uh, as someone who likes to experience everything I would love to go on and just create a profile and yeah why don't you yeah I actually I did yesterday I didn't f- fulfill the whole things so I'm gonna have to have the conversation and say hey Paul guess what I'm doing <laughs> sure right right but I'm as someone he he's so open about stuff that I'm sure he has no problem with it but um mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am. I'm going to go down that road. Um, let's see. So with a, a, a positive part, um, you said you like that they're catching up with guidelines. Like, it's funny. It reminds me of like, um, having gone to sex clubs where the rules are, you can't touch someone unless, um, you have their permission. Um, you know, if, if someone's unruly, you go and report them like there's, there's these, and in many ways I felt like going to these clubs were so much safer and kinder than actually going to a bar where there's just no rules. So what are the rules? Like, so the ghosting thing, um, that's interesting, but what are the other rules and changes that you think they need to make to make it better?
1: Well, that's a big question. That's a big, question. Um, that's a big um, Yeah, I mean, a lot of the suggestions yeah. that I would have are really based on my particular social, gender, sexual location, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that enhanced safety is number one. And there should be a way to report even pictures that are fake somehow. Like when people sign up, don't just use Facebook as like the main way that people sign up you know use a more a more professional like already approved kind of platform and also i think it's it would be very interesting to have a feature within each app so that users can communicate to one another kind of like a little like community bulletin board about red flags and things like that because without those and because we don't have those we're seeing the um flourishing of these online groups called you know are you dating the same guy in blank city you know they began last year in new york and they've grown they're all over the world now including where i live in london ontario and there's a there's a defamation case that's just been launched by a man who was featured and sort of featured poorly in one of these these groups and he's he's you know launching this court case against three of the administrators um for for defamation right and like you know um, defaming his character, and if there were a way for for users to communicate to one another within the app, you know, you wouldn't need these public spaces where they're sort of for for protection, but they're also for public roasting, and they can be very toxic. And a few people have reached out to me since I was part of an article about these communities, and yeah. said. You know, they used to be more protective and, you know, helpful information, but they've really sort of morphed into uh, kind of like very toxic kind of problematic spaces that don't really serve what they said that they were about in terms of providing information for ways that women can make safer choices. So internal safety stuff, so users can communicate with one another, um, things that relate to, you know, ghosting, catfishing, um, I think also for some of the the bigger ones, you know, that all they ask is like gender, age and the distance you're willing to travel. Um, having more interesting questions, like kind of similar to what Hinge does, which is why Hinge is really being I think it's very popular. It's a lot of people's preferred app and it's marketed as the app that is, you know, created to be deleted. Right. Which is pretty smart tagline um, but i think you can sort of get a bit more of a sense of the person and so it can make some of your decisions a little bit smarter or certainly more informed you know less risks might be taken yeah. so those are some things kind of off off the hop that would be really important to think about um, in terms of algorithm and design mm-hmm.
0: um do, 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 do. this is a that was a big question um regardless of dating apps or in person i had this what is one thing that stays the same for you um Mm -hmm. that doesn't have anything to do with digital dating like yeah outside of
1: dating is is always going to be anxiety provoking and exciting and titillating and sexy and scary yeah You still feel those feelings, right? right? You do. But the big difference is the volume of people that you go through and the amount of times you have to present yourself, the amount of conversations, the very similar kinds of conversations that you have with people who are strangers, right? And so you have to go through a lot of strangers to meet someone who, you know, might be more than a stranger, hopefully down the line, or maybe not, or it could just be a one night stand, no shade, right? Um, but the amount of labor that is required of dating apps and the fact that we don't really I mean in general we don't talk about dating enough, right? And the transitions that have occurred and the vulnerability that is there. It's always gonna be a vulnerable thing. You're putting yourself on the line, right? It's talking you're talking about emotions, you're talking about desire, you're talking about the traumas that you bring with you. Are they gonna match the person? You know, what's it gonna be like? All these things, the unknown, right? Fundamentally dating is about the unknown, mm-hmm. whether it's online or in person. Yeah. Um, so those things are 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 will always be with us for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with increasingly, you know, forms of AI and other kinds of technology, robots, different kinds of devices, all of that. Um, that's a really fascinating area of research and marketing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um. I think of just the speed, I guess, um, as someone who's often been the aggressor or I've started relationships quickly. Um, I, I feel like the pace, you know whether maybe it's because do you feel like because we're older, there's that um, that people are moving so quickly with this that because they want someone instead of like, I mean, I was friends with my partner for a year. And that wasn't, that wasn't my choice. That was his choice. But do you feel the speed like people that uh, are anxious to just find that person? Like, just give me that person. Like what does that say that we just want the person,
1: you know? like I don't think that people are just always looking for the person. I think that's a really huge myth that we just need to really put somewhere else because it's, it puts a tremendous amount of pressure. And I think it's totally unrealistic Um, Some people, you know, they still adhere to that very romantic idea of finding the one. And for some people, there is only one person and that is part of the magic of their of of their lives. And, you know, cool. Uh, I just do not think that that is realistic. And it really shuts a lot of doors for really interesting people that you're going to meet along the way who may not be the one, but might bring a lot of pleasure and excitement and new experiences that are super valuable. right so I think that's really that's really important but yeah there is a lot of speed and I noticed it myself I was often super anxious and quite aggressive to meet people because it's like I'm probably going to be disappointed I just need to know (laughs) yeah so literally are you worth anything do I put more into you or not do you just slide down the roster and you stay there totally immobile I won't delay you because you're still there because that still says something right it's someone, you know but am um, I going to focus on the newest one who is more available sooner maybe yeah. better communicator maybe a little hotter who knows closer who knows right that's the recirculation the recirculation the speed the volume you know it's it's bizarre frankly
0: just your movements there for the listeners reminded me of like a pinball machine you know just this recirculating and moving of lists and uh like a conveyor belt too oh a sushi conveyor belt it's just like this nope that's not good I'll have more this no I don't want that um that's crazy um it's funny you say this you know the one the soulmate all that kind of stuff the that's I I I still deal with that in a way because I've had as you have had these narratives of disney and princesses and stuff stuffed down your throat so um can you talk about like the the polyamory and the the changes of the traditional relationship that you see on on dating apps like someone was telling me that i'm ethical not e ethical non monogamy and and some of the terms and things like that as someone that, who is my age and i guess we're middle age but um yeah like what are some of those new relationships and and i heard also that is it gen z that is the most uh, open generation in terms of sexuality Yep. yeah can you speak to that yeah
1: yeah i mean again that's another grand question um there's so many different I think that's one of the most exciting things about dating apps in a way. Mm -hmm. It does create an opportunity for all different kinds of diversity and for people to be to feel included. You know, many studies have documented how helpful dating apps are for people who are painfully shy, who maybe live in a rural area, who are differently abled. And usually just get not even considered in terms of more traditional ways of meeting people and engaging and accessing one another for romantic and sexual purposes. Um, and there are different apps that, that tailor to so many different kinds of populations, yeah. including um, people who are into alternative or I mean it's for mainstream now different kinds of polyamory you know open marriages you know all these different kinds of ways of doing family doing romance Uh, monogamy is still around but there's ethical monogamy or ethical non-monogamy which is a a term that is critiqued a lot because it's like why did you have ethical there like it's like people are really sort of I think that's quite problematic just you know there are different ways to talk about yeah. Doing non-monogamy in ways that are safe and inclusive, but you know, even within the alternative relationships, like there are some that are still very centered around men, right? There's like you Which know, the women, um, different kinds of polyamory. There's like you know the one, the one one penis policy or whatever. You know, the man man is allowed to like you know have multiple partners, but the women that he's with only can have him as a partner, right? So there's lots of sort of inequity within. But he put
0: that in his profile. Would he say like, or is that something you just find out when you go along? Would he say like, I, 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 I'm allowed to to go any which direction.
1: There are so many different subcategories of poly. Um, Some people do list them in their profiles. Others do not, but if they are poly, they usually say it. But I mean, because it is such a complex category and I am not that well, well well-versed in all the different gradations and formations partnerships and the way it it plays out, um, you know, I think that would be something that would definitely, you know, require a conversation or two. But you see it much more commonly, much more commonly in the profiles. And one thing that I really enjoy seeing as well, is that all the different ways that people are doing masculinity in particular, because I'm primarily interested in men, not exclusively, but primarily. And you see all different kinds of men, not just like the chiseled, you know, Men's health men, but I guess you could call them softer men, different men, you know, men with different kinds of bodies, different, different yeah. hair, different, all that kind of thing. And I think that is incredibly, that sexy to see. And it's because we need to break that, that sort of singular idea of this is a man that's um, just, just so problematic and um, so yeah those kinds of things are much much more common and I know people who are in poly relationships they're new to the community or they're in different kink communities and there's no relationship that is going to be easier than the next you know so many of the poly people that I know and and, you know different kinds of non-monogamy situations um, there are many benefits in terms of not having expectations that your partner will be able to fulfill every aspect or most aspects, you know, there are people who are, you know, maybe you parent with, and then you have a couple of different sexual partners or, you know, there's co parent like there's so many different ways that you can stretch out the different things that are important to you across different people. However, it also demands a tremendous amount of communication, tremendous amount of emotional management ongoing right? And, you know, feelings change over time. Partners can still get jealous and can still hurt each other no matter what formation they happen to be in.
0: Yeah. Some things will stay true. It makes me think of, uh, I always go back to sex in the city, but there's an episode where they're having their brunch and they're all bitching. Well, they're not bitching. They're, they're venting about the night before. And I think it's Carrie that says, can't we just have a pact to say that we're going to be each other's greatest loves and then the men will be you know the fun and the you know so do you think that women are letting go to like you did say that the word letting go of forever notions or the the one or the soulmates because we're we're understanding that there is otherness that something can be temporary and fulfilling without having to be a 10-year, 20-year, you know, golden anniversary, silver anniversary. Those those notions, like you said, they're just so, like, uh, um, claustrophobic and suffocating. Like, oh, my God, 20 years? Are you crazy? I had a friend who recently broke up from a 22-year marriage. And his thing was I my failed marriage. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't fail. That's not a failure. Um, But we do think that if it doesn't fulfill certain expectations, that we're failures. And
1: Yeah, but that's also because of all the marketing that is behind producing and reproducing the narratives about marriage, about the marriage industry, the wedding industry, Uh the diamond industry, the housing industry. Right. I mean, it's all it all conspires to fit the myth of a man and a woman living together happily forever. Of course, this does still happen. And it's remarkable. Yeah. People get divorced. That rate has not really changed. It's about half people are successful, if you want to call that, you know, divorce rates are not anything to shake your head at, like it's they're significant. But yet we still have those messages about princesses while we also have messages about polyamory. What that means is that we have more choice and there is no singular defining narrative or other voices are coming into play, which is very positive. But um, some people still really want to adhere to that more traditional way of being. And that's very meaningful to them. I have a number of my friends who are celebrating their 20th anniversary with their Partners, Um, yes, but I think there are some of us who are pushing back, and I think it's important to kind of keep in mind that these love industries, um, as researchers refer to them, things like the wedding industry, different aspects of the housing industry, you know, bridal, bridal shower, that whole that whole piece, you know, they typically emerge in stronger force when situations of, of like real crisis are going on in the world. And so you know they're selling us and they're reselling us and they're repackaging the idea of romance as a way to solve our problems. And the the most classic example is um, Gone with the Wind. Uh-huh. Right, 1929 is when the film was released, I believe. The book was written earlier, but I mean it was a blockbuster during the Depression. Mm, yeah, you know that was complete. That was specific that was targeted that was tailored that was all manufactured the dream industry it still continues today yeah right so you know it's easy to like sort of like shake your head at people or say oh why do you you know choose something else so there is no one but there are big forces cultural economic social that reproduce and manufacture those problematic narratives while we also see all these other options sprouting out. So it can be a lot to navigate.
0: Oh, it's it's dizzying. It's funny you say Gone with the Wind. I used to have that poster on my bedroom wall <laughs> when I was a teenager. <laughs> uh, and then I actually found out my mother named me after Melanie from the movie. Wow. When then I dug into that actress, Olivia, I her last name escapes me, and she fought for that role because she said that uh traditional femininity was was under siege and she wanted the good-natured woman to come through uh the sacrificial good-natured woman you know the one that dies um mm-hmm.
1: and uh, but yet the we the love- one that is loved right the one that is loved right in the most appropriate ways yeah yeah in the most ways, yeah
0: and at, but at the same time, you know, Scarlet, the feist, you know, we still loved her too. So it's like, well, which one can we be? It's, yeah.
1: Right. I mean, women have always wanted to be multiple things and we are multiple things. That's the point, right? It's yeah. the patriarchy and different kinds of industries that really profits on the divide between good and bad, right?
0: Yeah. Like if we're
1: bad, oh, look at all these products. Look at all these ways that you can improve yourself, right? You're sold all these things.
0: Oh yeah. Well, well, Mm -hmm. Trina, I love your brain. (laughs) I absolutely love it. I love, love hearing, uh, if there's a thought ahead of anything, I know you will have thought about it thoroughly. (laughs) You You will have a litany of information about it and it's been a great conversation and I hope to have more with you. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Thanks for listening to another episode of the sexy times. If you have a story, a funny or adventurous sexy time you'd like to share, you can send it to thesexytimespodcast at gmail.com. Follow us at thesexytimespodcast on Instagram, and for show notes, book recommendations, and resources, visit our website at thesexytimes.com. And please, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to our podcast.